Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer. This is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. This week is a little bit of a strange one. I mentioned one of the games we'll be talking about later on in the show last week. And we also have some Pokemon Day news to cover. But first up, I want to address some of the stuff that has been going on with Game Informer in this past week. So starting off this show, you'll be stuck with just me. Then as we go on to the other segments, I'll be joined by this week's guest, Kyle Hilliard. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about what has been going on with Game Informer. So the reason I started this podcast, All Things Nintendo, has always been to talk about my love for the stuff that Nintendo puts out. But more than that, I want to talk about what's on my mind. And I owe it to you, the listener, to be 100% real with you. So I've I've never really... I've never really made it a secret my thoughts on the state of this industry and the way mass layoffs are just wreaking havoc on the developers and the studios that we love. I have told you that I think they're short-sighted. I've told you that I think a lot of the times the messaging will tell you, oh, this was our last-ditch effort, but that often doesn't include cuts for the executives responsible for the companies being in the places that they are where they need to feel like they lay off workers. I've also talked about how outside of the direct impact of people losing their salaries, their health insurance access, and even potentially work visas, outside of all that, the people who remain at the company are almost always required to pick up the slack with a ton more anxiety and no additional compensation. I mean, that's out of the question. It's it's never, we have fewer people, so we're not going to do as much. The expectations from the higher-ups are almost always the same. And that's something that I think that so many people in this industry are dealing with right now. We've seen just thousands upon thousands of layoffs in the past, what, nine months? And just recently, EA, Microsoft, Sony, Activision Blizzard, so many of these companies have been hit with layoffs. And it's undeniably terrible that the people who are laid off no longer have jobs. They no longer have their livelihood. They no longer have what was probably for them at one point a dream job. But at the same time, those who remain are going through it as well. The anxiety that they may be next, the increased workload, the morale dip that happens. I can speak on that from experience because prior to this week, I've survived two rounds of layoffs in the last five years. First one came in 2019, and the second one, I believe, came. Time is just ever since COVID. Time is it's 2022, I think, is when that happened. Unfortunately, that number jumped to three this week. Blake Hester, who you have heard on this show a few times, is as of this week is no longer with Game Informer. This was not a decision that we made as Game Informer. This was a decision that we were told. And I want to be clear, Blake is an unbelievable writer and has done some of the most thoughtful work Game Informer has featured in the past several years. It sucks. It really sucks. And if you have something that you think he would be a good fit for, I don't know how many industry-focused people listen to this podcast. I know a few do. If you have something you think he would be a good fit for, please 100% reach out to him on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, His Twitter is Metallica is rad. LinkedIn, he's just Blake Hester. And then he also has a website, blakehester.rocks. Please reach out to him if you have anything that his his expertise and his his skills would be a fit for. Like I said, he does some of, he's, he's done some of the most thoughtful features. He coordinated our freelance efforts at Game Informer. Please send him your your well wishes if nothing else but ideally send him invitations to discuss opportunities for his career because he deserves it so that sends shockwaves through this team as i mentioned in 2019 we got our first round of layoffs since i've joined but we've had three rounds of them since Our team of 17 editors when I joined in 2015 
is now down to six full-time editors and one part-time editor. We have an amazing team. Every single member on our staff is a freaking rock star. But we've been operating with this small team, continuing to put out two weekly podcasts, running a daily website, keeping active Twitch and YouTube channels, and of course, putting out an 84-page magazine every five weeks. And I know this is going to sound like I'm looking for sympathy here, but I promise you, I'm just, I'm really just trying to level with everyone listening. Something has got to give. I'm, I'm a proponent of mental health initiatives and taking care of your mental health as much as you would your physical health. And when I look at how I've been personally over the last several months, I can't recall the last time I worked just 40 hours. I've continued putting out episodes of this podcast every single week. And quite frankly, I love doing it. But there have been some weeks where I didn't know how I would possibly pull it off with all the work I had on my plate. But I've made it work. But in the name of mental health, in lieu or in uh, in the wake of this this change going on and in the name of not forcing myself to overwork because we are so egregiously understaffed i need to acknowledge that something has to give and when i look at all the work that i need to do for my job the one thing that I feel like I have control over is this podcast. This podcast has been one of the most exciting and enjoyable things that I've had the opportunity to do while at Game Informer. And it's even become such that I'll go to events and people will come up to me and the first thing they'll say is that they love this podcast. And hearing from the people who listen to this podcast and hearing how much they enjoy it and appreciate it, getting emails from, from all of you, it has been an incredible thrill. The kind words, the messages, the conversations I've had with people that listen to this podcast, that's precisely why I'm not getting rid of the podcast. That was my first thought when this came through is like, I, in order to pick up the slack, I, I need to get rid of this podcast. So that is precisely why I'm keeping it running. I still love doing it. And I'm going to keep doing it because I enjoy it and it seems like people really uh, appreciate it. But I'm going to keep doing it in a different kind of way. So All Things Nintendo is not going away. But I'm looking into ways that I can make it more sustainable. And honestly, in some ways, even better. So I, I'm not going to be able to announce anything quite yet. I have some irons in the fire. I'm looking forward to talking more about it, hopefully next week. This has always been a podcast based on you know, me being straightforward with you and leveling with you and telling you what's on my mind and trying to be my authentic, Nintendo-loving, nerdy self. <laughs> and I don't want to stop that now. So... Hopefully I'll have an announcement on next week's show. And I really, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate all the kind words that all of you have sent to me. It is the reason that this show is going to continue, even as my the my day-to-day -day working continues to become busier and busier. But there, there are ways that I've I've charted it out that this is going to continue and it's going to be more sustainable. And hopefully like I said, even better for you, the listener. So I hope you will keep on listening because again, it means so much to me and I hope to have more news for you in the near future. But like I said, the plan is not for the show to go away, but I wanted to level you level with you while also addressing what you may have seen on social media over the last week with uh, um, us, unfortunately, losing a member of our team that we care very much about and we think very highly of. So thank you so much for hearing me out on this. We're going to take a quick break, cleanse our palates with some music. And when we get back, 
hopefully have a much more upbeat segment and be joined by Kyle Hilliard to catch up on all the news from this past week. We will be right back. This week was not the biggest news week, but we did have our Pokemon Presents on Pokemon Day. But we're going to start with some news that didn't have anything to do with Pokemon Day. And uh, joining me now for this is Kyle Hilliard. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, I guess. <laughs> yes. we're, we touched on it the last segment. It's uh, yeah, we're we're doing our best. You're that, right. That's yeah, what we can yeah, do. Right. Um, keep it keep it rolling. Yeah. So Kyle, I know that you and I we are so excited to talk about Switch Two rumors. We're so excited to. I, I thought to. I was done. This, you did not tell me that this was part of me being on today. <laughs> I was so excited to be done talking about both the Xbox multi-platform rumors and Switch Two rumors. And, uh, you know, I'm perusing the various Nintendo websites that I I check out for news on this podcast. And, of course, a story emerges that involves both of them. (laughs) So we were surprised uh, a couple weeks ago that Hi-Fi Rush was not on the list of Xbox games coming to Switch. Because that was all the reporting saying that that was going to be the case. And we got Pentiment and Grounded instead. And then PlayStation got Pentiment, Grounded, Hi-Fi Rush, and Sea of Thieves. Right. So uh, a new report from Insider Gaming now says that Hi-Fi Rush will still arrive on Nintendo platforms, but you guessed it, it will be on Switch 2. So it's all rumors, reports, and speculation at this point, but do you think this will be the case? That Hi-Fi Rush will be on the Switch follow-up console? Yes. Uh, yeah, probably. It sure. Seems, seems logical. <laughs> like, does that mean that like the Switch just isn't powerful enough for Hi-Fi Rush? Which seems very strange that seems like a weird game to be like well, this powerhouse the switch can't possibly contain have, it yeah i mean there's a lot going on in that game and also it's a game that like you can't make a lot of concessions for mm. right like it it looks it the the cell shaded nature of it makes it look like maybe like a fewer sort of textures and like less to deal with there and stuff but like if you like you can't drop that game down to 30 fps for example, yeah. right? Like it's a it's a rhythm game ultimately. Uh so it needs to be smooth. If it hitches at all, then it breaks kind of the whole r- rhythm of the game and so maybe I bet that's probably a factor. Yeah, I mean I, I was thinking that as well is it it needs to maintain that consistent frame rate and it needs to be a pretty high frame rate as well. So yeah. I I think that is probably the case. That was my my deep meditations that I was having on this whole situation because I just you know, ever since the the words Switch Two and Xbox Multi Platform came across my my screen, I have not stopped thinking about this Hi Fi Rush coming to Switch rumor. So. Right, and then when, imagine my surprise when it didn't come to Switch. So, does that mean do you do you think that like we will see Sea of Thieves for Switch Two as well? I, I would I would think so eventually, right? I mean, there's. The, the goal for Sea of Thieves, I think from Microsoft's perspective, me just sort of as an outsider making assumptions here, is that they just want to build that community as much as they can at this point, right? Like mm-hmm. they can't really get any bigger on Xbox, so they're going over to PlayStation and yeah, Switch just brings more people in. So yeah, I, I think that'll happen for sure. And they're doing it the right way with cross-platform play for both that and Grounded. The, the you know, Those are the two multiplayer games of that group of four. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I also agree. I think that it will definitely come to Switch 2 or whatever it ends up being called. We're just going to say Switch 2 from now on because it's sure. <laughs> it, it's it's too burdensome. To it's the like. shorthand at this point. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, Breath of the Wild 2 instead of the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the <laughs> yeah, Wild. Right. As exactly. Nintendo deemed it originally. Yeah. But all right. Well, speaking of the Switch being underpowered, I'm reading this over on uh, NintendoLife.com. The Batman Arkham Trilogy came out a few months ago. I think I was excited to have these games on the go, which, you know, in the time since I've gotten a Steam Deck, which plays them much better. But uh, the Arkham Knight port just ran like garbage. Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, they made some concessions, but they still ran pretty well from what i understand yeah i played a little city uh on switch um and found that it was uh it was fine okay well i hope you didn't play arkham knight because i didn't i didn't even download it it ran like garbage yeah at launch according to everybody and then earlier this week that game 
in particular out of this trilogy received a 16 gigabyte patch and everybody was like oh well they must have done some performance uh enhancements or stabilization or something and those who are hoping that uh apparently are going to be disappointed because according to this nintendo life article the visuals still look terrible the frame rate still can't stay consistent and it's still absolutely riddled with bugs jeez oh, okay <laughs> so i guess if you're looking to play arkham knight in 2024 you should stay away from the switch version still which is unfortunate because like it, it sucks like i'd rather it be like a sea of thieves situation where they're just like yeah we we can't get this to work the way we want it to work on this system so we'll wait for switch Two. yeah i would much rather have that like I'd, I'd rather them have say like we tried to make this work we couldn't it's not going to come out on this platform than give me the worst possible version of this game yeah yeah so I recently just downloaded it on my Steam Deck. I, I have no uh, no worries that it is going to run great on there, especially when I see things like God of War 2018 running great on it. So I think that Arkham Knight will run just fine on the Steam Deck. And hopefully there's like a next-gen patch whenever the next Switch comes out and makes If, if Switch 2 run. plays Switch 1 games, right? I mean, well, if it doesn't... All, we're this, all kind uh, of assuming it will, but we don't know for sure. If it doesn't, you will have a very bitter episode of all things Nintendo yeah, <laughs> when the Switch too. 2 details come Everyone out and they would, say yeah. not backward compatible after the, the library that we have all built on this amazing current gen console. So Yeah, but you could say that about... To be fair, you could say that about every platform ever. You know what I mean? And the sort of transition between one to two is not always guaranteed right it's not but i feel like it is the current standard yeah i I, to be clear i hope desperately that that's the case um but i'm just saying if it's not i'm i'm not gonna be like surprised (laughs) i'll just be disappointed (laughs) oh i'll be outright angry yeah yeah (laughs) like it's such a slam dunk because i don't know it's it would be such a fumble did you feel that way about like PlayStation three to four and like, no, but I would feel that way about PlayStation five to six. And I felt, I would have felt that way about PlayStation four to five. If it was like none of these games were just because I think Xbox has been the leader for this because they established the universal windows platform and they implemented that into the Xbox one midway through its life cycle. And when they announced that I got to talk to Phil Spencer and I asked him about like, is backwards compatibility the main reason for this? And he said, Uh, I wouldn't say the main reason. The main reason I would say is forward compatibility. That's when you know, like kind of like how PCs have been for a long time now, where if you buy a game for Steam, you more than likely know it's going to work on almost all your future computers until, you know, whatever, like a major shift in the industry happens. And like, there's no compatibility. Like when DOS went away, a lot of DOS games stopped working. He was arguing that like, you know, when you buy an Xbox console, you can have confidence because it's all built on this universal Windows platform that it will work with future Xbox consoles. And we've seen that with Xbox Series X. It played uh, pretty much all of the Xbox One games. I think the only ones it didn't play were the ones that were requiring Connect. Mm -hmm. So when you have that or like versions that have like newer gen versions available that just you know it it doesn't make sense to have it or like it was like a a game that was delisted i think some of those don't work playstation 5 did the same thing building off playstation 4 but there were a few select games that didn't work i think there were like a a list of like five or six ubisoft games that didn't work and okay stuff like that i I think to be clear i hope it is industry standard now like i I feel like it has to be (laughs) like i think it would be a huge misstep for literally any company with any degree of success to put out a new console or, I mean, there's not really a handheld to carry forward unless you like PlayStation puts out a Vita two and it doesn't play Vita one games. I guess yeah. that would be a fumble, but I think a lot of people have moved on from the Vita. Not a lot of people have moved on from the switch yet. So I, I, I don't think you can count, count that as like an outdated console. So yeah. no, agreed. Uh, I hope it's an industry standard and uh, a lot of these switch games that don't run particularly well, like Scarlet and Violet and, uh, Arkham Knight, we get kind of that new gen upgrade that makes them work. And then maybe they get some new life on that console than the next Switch console. But this is all speculation. We were, we've talked enough about the Switch too. Remember when we got a new game from both Sonic and Mario in the same week? Yeah. And we all said... I remember said, when that Mario game came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all said going into that week, this is probably a bad idea for Sonic to keep this date. And it turns out in hindsight, Sega agrees. This is a translation and transcription from Nintendo Everything. 
uh, quote was during a recent earnings call. I, I don't have down who was speaking here, but uh, somebody from Sega said, although Sonic Superstars has generally been well-received by those who have played it, the timing of the launch coincided with competing titles in the same genre, and it has been short of the initial forecast. The strategic expansion of Sonic IP is progressing well, and we will continue to work to increase repeat sales of this title. <sighs> All right. So last year was just ridiculous in general, in terms of like game releases. But that week in particular, you may recall, we got Mario Wonder, Sonic Superstars, and also Spider-Man 2. Oh, God. That was just stupid. Mirage was in there too, I think. I think that was maybe the week before. Okay, all right, so it was close to it. Yeah. But still, that is a ridiculous stretch. That is no, a seven-day yeah. period, I believe, that we got all those games. And remember, we were originally supposed to get Alan Wake 2 that week as well. And they were like, we're going to delay until the end of November instead of the middle of November. Yeah, because And smart. they were... They were straightforward. They were saying, like, look, that week is really busy. We're gonna this is not a development delay. This is us pushing because we we know that there's it's just too crowded. There's too many people in the pool. We're not gonna be able to stretch out our legs and, and really go as fast as we, we need to or go as well as we need to. So yeah. Smart move by Alan Wick too. Not such a smart move by Sonic Superstars. It's interesting that they acknowledge that, right? Like usually they wouldn't I feel like they wouldn't share that kind of detail. You know, you know what I'm saying? Does that well, make I mean, sense? they have to probably pin it on something and they're yeah. trying not to pin it on the developers because Sonic Superstars wasn't as good as Mario Wonder, but it wasn't a bad game. You right. know, like it, it, it I, was overshadowed, though. Shadow of the Hedgehog. That overshadowed the Hedgehog. Yes. Uh, but I think this is actually the right thing to say because. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just it's, I just feel like it's rare that you see people be forward like that in, yeah. in the industry. I feel like we're starting to get to an era where, like, it's okay to acknowledge that another company exists. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that it does feel like that for so long, many pretended they couldn't talk about, you know, other other developers or publishers. It is funny, though, because, you know, I did that article when, you know, I wrote the both the Sonic Superstars and the Super Mario Brothers Wonder cover stories. And I asked both of the developers, Takashi Azuka and Takashi Tezuka, you know, the the, the, the Takashi 2, you might call them. <laughs> I asked them about the fact that these two games, you know, they have such an intertwined history for the past 30 plus years. What do they think about both of these games going back to 2D roots? Because, you know, it's both it's it's the first 2D game for several years for both the franchises. And uh, Takashi Izuka from Sonic Team, like he was like, oh, I think it's great. You know, these these two franchises have such a great history. You know, Mario is such an amazing series. Sonic is, you know, have such a long, long storied history with Mario. I think it's great. Uh, Takashi Tezuka, or yeah, Tezuka, <laughs> I'm confusing them now, over yeah. at Nintendo, uh, you know, overseeing Mario development. He, uh, I think he is still in the way of the Nintendo style of acknowledging other franchises which sure. was you know we we are making a 2d game we hope that people are excited for a 2d game and uh you know there are there are other 2d games we, we hope people are excited for the 2d style of gameplay whether that is playing super mario brothers wonder or another title like not acknowledging like that i've asked directly about sonic superstars and i think that's very much a nintendo thing because i've asked about other franchises of, to several developers at nintendo and it's often like Oh, I don't have any insight into those other developers. Like I asked, like, what do you, what what sets Mario's level design apart from other companies? Because you know Mario has such a, a long storied history of amazing games. Like, there's not any really bad Mario games. Like, there are some Mario games that are better than others, but there's no like outright bad Mario games. That's often the level design is fantastic. Right. And I yeah. asked him like, how does it set any, how does, what, what sets Mario's level design apart from like other companies? Why can't other companies replicate this? And the initial response is, I don't have any insight into other companies. And I'm like, all right, well that, that's not quite what I was, I wasn't asking you to like go into depth <laughs> about why Sega isn't as good at designing levels as Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to get into like the special sauce of what Nintendo does, but he did give me an answer. Um, it's somewhere on GameInformer.com. I wish I had it off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, that, I, I have noticed that like developers, um, like it, it's always been kind of like, you know, developers in Japan are a little bit more cagey about acknowledging other developers works like outside yeah. of their company. Yeah, but yeah. I have noticed that it's shifting more and they are embracing like people outside of like Kojima and Kamiya and like, you know, there's kind of auteurs 
they are uh, developers outside of that are starting to break out of that mold. Like uh, when I did the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth cover story, Naoki Hamaguchi, the director, I I had it in the rapid fire questions. What's your favorite RPG series outside of Final Fantasy? And I was expecting him to be like, oh, Dragon Quest. Like, you know, another Square mm-hmm. Enix thing, because that's I've gotten that answer way too many times where it's like, I ask them, what's your favorite thing outside of this? And they'll name another franchise that is owned by that company. Yes, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've yeah, totally. So my follow-up, my follow-up was, well, what's your favorite RPG franchise outside of Square Enix? Because I was just ready for him to say, like, Dragon Quest or some Star Ocean, something in yeah, Square Enix. A Square Enix RPG, yeah. But he went The Witcher 3. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I can skip this one, <laughs> skip that follow up. So it's good to see that, like, it's becoming more commonplace to, like, let the personality shine and, you know, be a little bit more candid about acknowledging other companies. We're circling all the way back to that Sega quote, just saying that, like, hey, there was another game that was very similar to ours and we were overshadowed maybe a bit. But yeah, so I'm glad That's that uh, yeah. we are seeing that as more commonplace. Um Kyle, what are your thoughts on Mario Wonder and Sonic Superstars coming out that same week? I think it was a bad call, honestly, for both of them. Like, I don't think it really benefited Mario necessarily to stomp all over Sonic, if if I'm being honest, right? Like, it it's not like they sold more because Sonic was also available. Like, they they should have they they should have tried to space them out a little bit. It it would have benefited Sonic uh, quite a bit, I think. So maybe there was a little bit of like, we're doing this throwback to the 90s with both these games having a 2D release. Maybe they were bringing back a little bit of a like a console wars mentality. Be like, oh, you think you can launch the same week as us? Watch us just run through you like Godzilla runs through Tokyo. Yeah, I think it's also just so tough with physical releases. Like one of the reasons that Alan Wake and Remedy, I think I assume again, I'm talking a little out of my but here i did spend a little time working for a publisher but um like once you have like a physical thing that is printed onto like a disc or a cartridge like your date kind of becomes immovable right Mm -hmm. but because alan wake 2 was didn't receive a physical release sadly um they were a little bit more flexible on when they can move it around and like i think the best thing would to do would have been when when sega found out about the um you know the Mario Wonder release date. They sh- they should have tried to to move, uh, but I just I don't think it was really that much of a possibility for them ultimately. Yeah, and I mean I honestly I think it would have been more in like more in line with the way Sega operates than the way Nintendo operates because like Nintendo always seems to have kind of like those blinders up, even though you know they're checking out other stuff, but their public perception is like they will march to their own beat constantly. You know like when Xbox and PlayStation are like, we're having the, the highest resolution graphics and HDR. Nintendo's just like, ah, this thing can max output 1080p, but you can take <laughs> yeah. it on the go and look how successful that was. Yeah. And the same thing goes for like, you know, I feel like when Nintendo puts out a, a release date, they are, they're going to win the game of chicken. Yeah. Or they're going to crash into you head first as, as much as they did here, but they're also an 18 wheeler. Sonic Superstars was like an F two fifty at best. Uh, sure, uh, yes. I I don't I don't really know what those words mean, but <laughs> a, a standard pickup truck versus an eighteen wheeler is what okay. I'm saying. <laughs> but like a, a larger size pickup truck, but okay. But still, it's gonna it's not gonna stand a chance against an eighteen wheeler is what I was saying. If you're playing right, game right. of chicken. All right, Kyle. We got a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game announced uh, over the last week. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Arcade Wrath of the Mutants comes from uh, your former employer, Game Mill Entertainment, Kyle. Yeah, just speaking of, we're at we're a publisher for a little while, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Raw Thrills, which was the studio behind Cruise and Blast, they put out an arcade game in 2017, just like Cruise and Blast. That was an arcade game as well. And uh, much like Cruise and Blast, it is coming to Switch, and they are adding additional content uh, just like they did with Cruise and Blast. Cruise and Blast, I remember they, they they like exponentially raised the number of tracks and cars and everything. And it seems like they're they're adding a decent amount of content to Wrath of the Mutants as well. So it's an arcade style beat 'em up with four player co op. And this version will receive three new stages and six new boss fights. And you can play as any of the turtles, obviously. 
but there's also like several other characters that you can play as in this game. So I'm looking forward to this. I, I like a good TMNT beat em up. Like I feel like they like, you know, some of my favorite beat em ups of all time are Ninja Turtles games like Turtles in Time and uh, the 1989 arcade game. I am very much looking forward to checking this out. And it comes out April 23rd on Switch. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll I'll put that on my calendar and maybe I'll even write the review. So I mean, uh, see those arcade games. I mean, like I said, we we've we've with the uh, the disclaimer that like I was working at Game Mill when Cruise and Blast came out. Uh, but it's like I do like seeing arcade games come to console. Like it's fun to see, like, oh, what was this thing that I, you know, I'm not really super familiar with this. Yeah, because they aren't in like the 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 arcade bars that like I go to. They're at like the Dave and Buster's of the world. Right. Yeah. So wait, speaking of arcade games, and this is not something associated with Game Mill, so you can have a little bit more of an opinion on this, Kyle. <laughs> There's a Mario Kart arcade game. Do you think that ever comes over to Switch? Man, I that's, I say no, primarily because the fact that it hasn't already is telling. Yeah. And I think from Nintendo's perspective, they probably don't want to dilute any uh, of Mario Kart 8's sort of fabulous success, right? Because mm-hmm. there are so many people who would buy this and be like, oh my God, it's a new Mario Kart. And like, it's it's just not going to be as good as Mario Kart 8. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not developed primarily by Nintendo. It was made for arcades. It's going to lack a lot of the charm that makes the arcade version fun, like having cameras that like pick pictures of your face and stuff like that. Yeah. And like what would happen is like a lot of people would buy it and be like, oh, this is the new Mario Kart. Ugh, they've really fallen from grace. This is not as good as 8. You mm-hmm. know, and I think Nintendo's trying to avoid that, even though that said, I would totally be happy to have it on my Switch, right? Like, I think that would be cool. I think so, too. But I do agree that that would be kind of like what we're getting with, like, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then these Sony movies that feature Marvel characters, like Madam Web and Morbius. It's like, I think <laughs> yes. for the people who are in the know, they're like, oh, well, those aren't the real Marvel movies. The real Marvel movies are like Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and and Infinity War and all those movies. I mean, not that there haven't been some stinkers in there as well. Yeah. But the people who are in the know look over at the Sony Marvel movies and they go, oh, well, Morbius, that wasn't actually made by Marvel. But the people who are like not really following and they're just like, they see Marvel and they're like, oh, well, Morbius, that, man, Marvel's really fallen off. Like, they yeah, don't totally. want that with Mario Kart, especially since it's almost always the highest selling game. They don't, yeah. they have their own amazing style or amazing Mario Kart game. They don't need to bring over this other thing, even though it would be cool for the people who are in the know, just as, for nothing more than like, you know, completing the Mario Kart library on your switch or even for archival purposes. Yeah. And, and like it, it is, the, I think your comparison is perfect. You know, Morbius versus like the standard Marvel movie. Like, I do think that those Mario Kart arcade machines are are better than Morbius, right? In that comparison, <laughs> like they are fun. Like I, I know we're kind of crapping all over them, but like they're fun. Uh, it, it is fun to play Mario Kart in person on an arcade cabinet with all the bells and whistles. Uh, I, I don't want I don't want to come off too harsh on on those arcade games. You you if you see one, you should hop on and play a couple play a couple races. I do like that. Like we could put that as a back of the box quote if they ever do bring the arcade <laughs> better than Morbius. Kyle Hillier. <laughs> now I haven't seen Morbius, I'm, so I'm going on a little bit of a limb here. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always had fun whenever I've sat down with those yeah. Mario Kart arcade games, but yeah, it's uh, it does feel like almost like off-brand Mario Kart with the official Mario license. Yeah, it's it's not quite Philips CDI. It's not Hotel Mario, but it's like there's there's like. Just a little sprinkling of that on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Kyle, let's talk Pokemon Day. Let's do it. We, we can run through these relatively quickly, I think, because, you know, they ran through them relatively quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we started with Scarlet and Violet. Uh, Terra Raid Battles. If you're still going around uh, the Paldea region fighting the Terra Raid Battles, 
starting this week, uh, we'll have the starter evolutions from Gen 1. So Mighty Venusaur, Mighty Blastoise, and Mighty Charizard happening between now and March 17th. Each week, we'll feature a different one of those Gen 1 starters. So you can go get those evolutions if you would like. Um, Pokemon Go is getting a Captain Hat Pikachu to celebrate the new Pokemon Horizons anime. And he is in Pokemon Go from March 5th to March 11th. Uh, do you still play Pokemon Go at all? No, it's been a long time. I've I've never deleted it. Um, and like once in a blue moon, my wife, if we go somewhere sort of unique, she'll be like, oh, what's, what's going on with Pokemon Go over here? But I'm talking like once every four or five months. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it's it's probably been a couple of years, even though I really still have a lot of affection for Pokemon Go and think it's cool. I do too. And it's, it sucks. The thing that always deters me is I open up the app and I'm like, okay, well, I know I need to spin these Pokestops. And every time I go to spin, it's like, your bag is full. And then I look in my bag and it's like, I don't know what I can get rid of because I haven't played this game in so long. Like, are, yeah. are, are these like even still relevant? Like I end up just deleting like 200 Pokeballs and then I can yeah. spin. Yep. Yep. And then it's immediately yeah. full again after spinning like three Pokestops. And I'm like, well, I guess that's all the fun I'm having with this game. And then it's like, I also have like, I think my Pokemon box is like two away from being full. So it's like, I can't even click into wild encounters and it's and like, you don't, and you don't know what you're like is worth going after. Cause you haven't played it in such a long time. Yeah, you don't, I don't have I'm that memory. Yeah. So yeah, I, I every time I open it up, I feel like there needs to be like a complimentary upgrade for everyone to like get them back in. Like, okay, well now everybody has two hundred more slots on both their Pokemon boxes and their their backpack. You know? Like, yeah, that's an like I wasn't considering this, but it's like, man, what would get me back into Pokemon Go? And I honestly, this is wild, but I think it would be like if there was some mode or side thing that let you start from zero. Oh, interesting. You're like you keep all your progress that you've made, but they're like, and this is the the red and blue mode and you start over. Like, I think something like that would maybe make me check it out again. But not that that's the conversation we were prepared to have, but it is something that clicked in my brain. I was like, <laughs> what even would make me start playing Pokemon Go again? I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, I I always want to play it, but then yeah, I just run into those road roadblocks and never ends up working out. So yeah. I like I like you, I've never deleted. I think maybe it's archived on my phone now because maybe, I have that yeah. thing enabled on iPhone where it's like as storage gets full, it like offloads apps I haven't used in like three months or something. So yeah. it's probably in that situation. But actually look and see. I mean don't you don't have to wait for me, but I'm curious is like has it been archived? I'm, I'm no, we'll wait curious. in silence while we figure this okay. out. <laughs> yeah, everyone I'm just swiping through apps. I don't even know what folder it's in. <laughs> Well, Gosh, on your apps list, do you have Pokemon Sleep by chance? No, I never, I never mess with that. I have not either, but <laughs> all right, Pokemon Go absolutely has been archived, which is telling. So okay, so po Captain Hat Pikachu is in that game from March fifth to the eleventh to celebrate the Wait, hold on, new hold on. anime. Did you say Captain Hat? Captain Hat. He has a Captain. Oh, hold hat. on, I gotta hold on. I gotta redownload Pokemon Go. Hold on, this is important. <laughs> That's what will finally get you in. It's not red blue <laughs> mode. It's Captain Hat Pikachu. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, Raikou, you know, Raikou from uh, the Gen 2 games, Gold and Silver, Do one I, of the legendary, so? legendary tiger guys, electric. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think people call them the legendary dogs, but they're, I think they're definitely cats, right? I mean, it just says what kind of, it's like a it's like a it just says what kind of person you are, whether you think it's dogs or cats. I mean, Raikou is almost certainly a saber tooth tiger. That's okay. what I'm saying. All right. Then it's a cat. Uh, but anyway. Not the cuddliest of Pokemon, <laughs> but they're adding Raikou to Pokemon Sleep this month. I don't know what that means. Hold I on. Know. I got to download Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I have not checked out Pokemon Sleep at all, but it, from what I've seen, it's like they have like Bulbasaur and Pikachu and Snorlax and like, you know, Pokemon that you could see yourself not being murdered in your sleep by unless, you know, Snorlax <laughs> maybe rolls over on you. But Raikou, it looks like a dangerous Pokemon with like... Raikou is like one notch below Gyarados in terms of like the cuddly factor. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess maybe because it's a, maybe it'll be like a cute kitten version of Raikou or whatever. But yeah, that is one of the announcements they made. Uh, one more, actually three more <laughs> mobile game announcements. Pokemon Masters EX. This was always the one that I thought I should get into, but I, every time I do, I just bounce off of it because it's like battle focused, you know? Right. 
getting new characters and new Pokemon, uh, Gita and her Glamora. So I know she is from uh, Scarlet and Violet. Silver and his Tyranitar. So that's obviously from Gold and Silver. And Cygna Suit Gladion and Magurna. Those are the three pairings that are coming over to Pokemon Masters EX. And there's also a photo creator mode or feature that they are adding to that. Okay. So I don't know. I I really think that I would like it, but I, I don't know. There's just not enough hours in the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pokemon Cafe Remix, adding new challenges as well as uh, Koraiden and Miraiden from Scarlet and Violet. And then uh, Pokemon Unite is adding new Pokemon from Scarlet and Violet. So Miraiden is coming to that as well. Available now. Phalanx is coming in April. And then Ceruledge is coming at some point in the future. So uh, do any of those mobile game announcements mean anything to you? I I mean, not really. I, I haven't... The mobile side... Outside of Pokemon Go, which, I mean, Brian, for you and me and the rest of the world, was like just a an, an obsession when it came out, right? It was like... That was our lives for a period of time. I mean, other than that, no mobile Pokemon game has really pulled me in in any real way. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been my case as well. Cafe Remix, I don't know. Like, all these games, I feel like I would enjoy them. I don't know what Pokemon Sleep really even is, but I feel like... Well, that's more of like a lifestyle yeah. sort of app. It's not really... Like right, like the, the teeth brushing one, which I actually... That was one that I did download and like try just because I was like so fascinated by it. Those two are kind of like lifestyle more than games per mm-hmm. se, I think. But um, yeah, none of the games. So, And it's not even that I look at them and think they're like bad, right? It's not like, oh, those suck. I don't want to play those. It's just like they just sort of look uh, just not particularly exciting. Right, well done for what they are and their and, and their goals, but just nothing that really stands out to me and pulls me in. We just need to have a red blue mode added to the Pokemon. <laughs> was it Pokemon Smile? Yes, red. I don't know what that is exactly. That just means you right. have no teeth and <laughs> you slowly grow teeth, and then they fall out, and then you grow adult teeth. I believe they're called Smile Bones. Oh yeah, right. that that's what they call them. Uh, yeah. Just don't eat any rare candy because then you get cavities. Oh, there you go. All right. So uh, we ended on the two best announcements by far. I I will say at this point in the stream, hype levels were all time low for the Pokemon (laughs) franchise. ATL. Uh, So we ended with Pokemon trading card game pocket for mobile devices. Now, basically what this is, is it is a, a phone app. And you get a new pack of cards each day to build your collection. And then you can battle and trade with your friends. There's also this cool, like immersive card feature where you can expand out the card art and like basically make the card art full screen and see like stuff that you can't see like on a standard card. So that's coming sometime in 2024. I don't know what that means for Pokemon TCG Live. I'm assuming they're going to exist in parallel because they just launched that thing, which is like the, the new version of the trading card game app that existed before where you could import your your real life cards if you went through this tedious process of scanning the qr codes that take forever to to be recognized by your camera and uh or typing in like a 12 digit key for every single pack that you buy so i never did it but i've i've i guess i've played a little bit with that one i wonder if this has a better way of doing that because it it would be great to be able to use all these qr codes that i've had over the years but does this seem interesting to you at all? Uh, no. Okay. Sorry to be blunt. I, the, the card game is an... I, I never engaged with the card game, really. Um, collecting or otherwise. Uh, it's just... It, like a, the My sort of fandom of Pokemon is almost explicitly Pokemon Go and the mainline games. And that that's about it. Yeah. I'm much more of a physical card kind of guy. I've moved... All- yeah, you, you and Alex Van Aken both. Like, you guys love collecting the cards. Yeah. I've moved a lot of my stuff, a lot of my entertainment to digital at this point. Almost all the games that I pick up are digital. All the music I listen to is on Apple Music. Uh, movies are almost exclusively digital at this point. But I like having like physical books, even though I do still use like Kindle, physical comics and physical cards and, and magazines, obviously. Mm. It's I think I'll have fun with this, but I don't know if I'm going to get obsessed with it. Like I, I could see myself downloading this and just getting my free pack every day. 
unless there's something that I'm not fully understanding, it'll be one of those things like, oh, that's cool to have in in my phone. Like I can show off like my card collection. It would be really nice if I could scan all these stupid QR codes that I've gotten from all the Pokemon packs that I've gotten and make it so it's quick and easy to import those cards into this app. So that way I have my collection on the go. And that way I can just be like, oh, look at this awesome Charizard variant that I have. And I don't know, that that seems like the coolest utility. And then being able to trade digital cards, I don't know. Like I'm, uh, this feels like one step away from like NFTs. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, yeah, yes. Which I'm like, I'm good. I also just like, well, any game, any game, period. Once it becomes a, an obligation, a daily obligation, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, I could see that, too. I mean, I have a couple of those daily obligation games. Like, I still play Marvel Snap almost every day. And uh, Marvel Strike Force, I still play every day. But, like, anything else that's like, you need to log into this every single day and get your stuff. It's like, if it's not Duolingo, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, if it's not bettering your sort yeah. of you as a person. Yeah, exactly. What are you learning? In? What, are you, what language are you learning? I'm learning uh, Spanish. Oh, nice. Also, uh, I was looking at some other courses, like maybe some Japanese or some Arabic. But yeah, Spanish is the one I'm on a 700-day streak now. Congratulations. Why, thank you. All right, Kyle, let's move to the one that I think most people would say is the only announcement they cared about from this Pokemon Day stream. That is Pokemon Legends ZA or Z-A or ZA. We don't know. (laughs) So I'm going to say say ZA. But it might even be Zeta Alpha for all we know. But it, I'm assuming it's Z something. It's either Z Alpha or Z dash A or Z A. Yeah. Because it's playing off of Pokemon X and Y. Because remember, everybody was like, oh, well, the, the obvious one is going to be Pokemon Z is the ultimate version of this. And we never got that. Um, so the fact that this is called Pokemon Legends Z A, this is what we're going to go with. It is the second game in the Legend series, and it is taking place in Lumio City from the X and Y games. And from one of the descriptions I saw, it is entirely in Lumio City. So I don't know how that's going to work, because the thing about Pokemon Legends Arceus was you can just go out into these giant areas. I mean, I know Lumio City is one of the bigger cities in the Pokemon franchise. That still seems rather small for uh, what, what is a big open world game or i guess segmented open world game at least in legends arceus yeah also it's modern which is weird considering what legends was sort of about right like you were in an early era of pokemon discovery i mean they they definitely planted a lot of seeds that you're like what does that mean for this series which is cool yeah it was like a city planning document that they had in the teaser trailer and no gameplay or anything no gameplay it was just like pikachu running through lumio city and then they say this year? Uh, no, 2025 is 2025. when this comes out. Okay. And it, it does seem like Mega Evolutions, which, you know, debuted in the X and Y games, are coming back because at the end of the trailer, I don't know if you stuck around to the very end, it said like, Pokemon Legends, ZA, coming 2025. And then it faded. And then there was like a brief black screen. And then the symbol for Mega Evolutions appeared at the very end of the trailer. It's like that kind of like, neon colored leaf that's like right. a little like like wavy so that appeared at the very end of the trailer there was also a couple of scenes that looked like they could be entering a mega evolution phase i think it was uh sylveon that like looked like it was about to do something and pikachu ran too fast so we didn't get to see it actually do anything i thought that was like maybe a teaser maybe it was a different move that i'm not aware of mm-hmm. um but it's coming sometime in 2025 and it does specify that it's coming to Switch. So I don't get to tinfoil hat this one as a Switch 2 <laughs> launch title like I did with Princess yeah. Peach Showtime. But it does say Nintendo Switch Systems with an S, but that could just mean Switch, Switch Lite, and Switch OLED. Yeah, I think that's on most Switch game trailers today, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I could be wrong about that. But that was it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty underwhelmed, but how would you grade this Pokemon Day? Oh, quite low. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't ever. I, it's not an F, <laughs> but I mean, a Legends is cool. Like that's that could have just that could have been it, right? And I my grade would have been the same. My, you know what? My grade might have been higher because <laughs> uh, I I Legends was like such a cool game that like 
really took Pokemon in a fun new direction that a lot of people really appreciated. But it was like not a guaranteed like, oh, what's the next Legends going to be? And this is like, like I said, they 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 didn't show any gameplay or anything, which is a little disappointing. But it's like, what does this mean? What does it take place in the present? Are there going to be two versions? Because there was only one version of Legends, you know, stuff like that. Um, so that's that's cool. I'm I'm interested to see what that is. But everything else, yeah, it's pretty ho hum. N- nothing much uh, standing out to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's crazy to think that maybe next Pokemon Day is when we hear about the next generation of Pokemon games. It probably is. I mean, they should just give Scarlet and Violet another go. Like, just <laughs> just fix those. <laughs> I feel like that. I mean, that would be a smart launch title for Switch Two. Is like, yeah, they could call it Scarlet and Violet, but functional like that could just be the type the title because i wouldn't i wouldn't it, I, my my initial thought was like but good it's like well i actually do like scarlet and violet it's just it's just the technical hang-ups that really hold it back they should just put it on steam deck yeah just put it on steam deck you guys yeah that would work yeah just take knock pow world down a peg you know we're on steam deck <laughs> there would be like the mario going up against sonic superstars thing all over again be like oh you think you could exist in the same space as us <laughs> uh, so yeah, it felt super underwhelming to me, and I'm gonna go with a uh, a C minus because I I do enjoy Pokemon trading card game pocket. I think that's something that's neat. I'm always a sucker for anything involving the Gen One starters. So even though I don't see myself logging on to the Terror Raid battles to fight Venusaur, Blastoise, and Charizard, I mean I, I like that they are there. So I'll give it a C minus. I was bordering between C minus or D plus, but that's what I mm. am thinking for that. Okay. But uh, anything else stick out outside of Pokemon Legends ZA or is that just about it? No, that was it. I mean, that's that yeah. was the most exciting thing. I think I'm right there with you. Uh, we're going to take one final break. And when we get back, I want to get into some of my early thoughts of Penny's Big Breakaway. We'll be back in just a moment. If you've listened to this show, you're probably well aware that I am a big fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic 3 & Knuckles may be my favorite Sonic game, but I might be able to acknowledge that Sonic Mania is the best Sonic game. So we're going to talk about the next game from the Sonic Mania developers, now known as Evening Star. The game is called Penny's Big Breakaway. Kyle, you have had a chance to see a little bit of this game. What were your initial impressions? Yeah, I mean, a couple months ago now, Wes wrote this big feature on the game where he spoke with Evening Star, and we, we got access to a preview build of the game, and he played it, and then I also played that preview build to, to do a little coverage. Um, so I played, like, the first couple levels, and I was I was charmed by it. You know, I thought it was it seemed cool. It seemed interesting. It, it, it played well, and yeah, I mean, it was a positive first impression. Yeah, I mean, I think it does make a positive first impression, there are things about this game that I absolutely love. So I've been playing it. I'm, I'm working towards getting a review up on GameInformer.com, but you know there's a lot of stuff going on right now. So I've not quite finished up my time. I am seven worlds deep. It, the, the game's menu would have me believe there are 11 worlds and then a bonus world. So I am uh, through mo- a, a good portion of the game, but I'm not ready to deliver a finalized review. So th- I'm still saying these are early impressions sure first up unsurprisingly you know christian whitehead who is the head of this studio um uh, he did a lot of the level design for sonic mania he understands how to make a really amazing level and i'm assuming it's not just him making these levels so it's it's his team understands how to make a really amazing platforming level and there has not been a single time in my playthrough so far where I've not thought this level is extremely well designed. It's really fun. It's there's a lot of really cool stuff that they allow you to do. And it always tries to play to the strengths of the movement. Mm -hmm. And that is the other major positive that I will say that I have for Penny's big breakaway is when you are moving and chaining together your moves and traversing these levels, it can feel phenomenal. Like there's sometimes where it's like, all right, well, I'm going to jump. I'm going to use the yo-yo to swing from one, one spot to the ne- next platform. I'm going to land there in a roll. And uh, so the character, it's a 3D platformer for those aren't aren't familiar. 
and it is you're you're this character who has a yo-yo her name's penny and she uses that yo-yo for all different moves you know you can you can either use the face buttons or the right analog stick and you know you can swing the yo-yo out in different directions to attack you can double tap it and she'll dash forward you can hold it when you're in midair and she'll kind of do like a swing like she'll, the yo-yo will kind of act as like a, a a rope like in donkey kong country where you can swing across and like use the momentum to carry forward right and then you can also do this roll move where she jumps on the yo-yo and kind of rolls forward like a wheel when you're chaining those together it feels so good like rolling through these stages, especially how well designed the stages are. It feels unbelievable. Those are my favorite moments in the game. But it's it's kind of contrasted against some pretty glaring problems. Oh, yeah. And my biggest thing, and this is one that like, it's going to sound like a tiny thing, but it invades the rest of the experience and it floods it and it it kind of it poisons it's just a drop of poison in an otherwise uh like like the well you know right like it's like oh man i i wish this didn't just infect the entire experience depth perception is a real problem at times okay and but what that what i mean by now, that, are you playing with one eye closed i know you do that sometimes <laughs> I, do not, I am not playing with one eye closed. i am playing on the switch though so maybe that is part of it i do have it on steam as well so i'm going to check out that version to make sure it's not like just the switch version that that sucks in this regard and in some of these other regards but depth perception where i am jumping from one platform to the next and i'll in my mind i will say I am perfectly lined up to land on this platform. And then in the game, Penny will just fall to her death. Okay. And that is a problem that some, like a lot of 3d platformers have quite frankly, where it's like, you don't quite have it lined up. It just doesn't click in your brain. Like this is where I'm going to land. And then you land perfectly, right? Like Mario 64 did a great job with that. I think it's also to do with the camera. The camera also has some problems, particularly when like you're trying to go a different direction than like the main path. Like there are some areas where you can go explore. And once you get down that path, the camera will shift a little bit, but there are times where it just doesn't do it well enough. And it's like, I can't see where I'm going or like I'll miss a collectible and I'll have to go backtrack. And it's like, kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's always pointing in the one direction. You don't really, you don't have a lot of camera control. Like you can nudge it a little bit, but you don't have a lot of camera control. Yeah. Cause um, you're using the right stick to do like yo-yo attacks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I think it's yeah. the D pad that you use to kind of nudge it a little bit, but it's not sufficient. Um, that another thing kind of similar along those lines, uh, the screen can just be so crowded that it makes it difficult to like see where you're jumping. Like there was one point, Cause you know, there's like the standard like UI stuff, which is fine. Like in the uh, lower corners, there's different things telling you like uh, your health and uh, your score and s- stuff like that. But then like when you, if you accept a side quest, there are little like characters that are in there and there's like, Oh, well I need you to collect the five pieces of fruit that I dropped in this one area. And you have mm-hmm. like a timer that you need to collect those fruits through. And then if you do that, you get like one of the games in game collectibles. So that's fine. But what that does is it spawns a like a basically like the upper third of the screen is covered up with this big blue box that tells you how many side quests that you've completed and how many collectibles you found in the level and which one this is. This is you're trying to do number two of three of the side quests in this level and it's blocking like maybe it's a quarter of the screen, not maybe not the maybe it's not quite as big as a third of the screen. But then there's other stuff going on on the screen. Like there's one of the key mechanics is that like, you know, you're trying to be caught by these other characters that are chasing you Mm -hmm. and they send these groups of penguins your way. And the penguins, literally, it's just like a giant group and they flood and you have to keep performing moves in order to make sure that they're like not grabbing you. Because if enough of them latch on to you, they capture you. And it's it's basically like you lose a hit point. You have to start over at the checkpoint. So in order to to deal with all that like or in order to to accommodate that you know you have the there was a point where i had the the side quest thing on the top of the screen all these penguins flying at me and i'm just trying to platform it's like i can't see where i'm going there's just too many things happening on this screen right now um, right yeah no that that what you're saying all makes sense and it's really <laughs> in frustrating, terms of it being frustrating yeah and as much as i love the movement moves being mapped to the same button 
just has not worked for me in a lot of ways. And it uh, there have been so many times because attack dash like the if you double tap attack you'll dash and swing like the the swinging movement when you're in the midair all mapped to the same button and that has screwed me over so many times where i'll be trying to attack an enemy and i'll try i'll just because you know muscle memory when you're hitting the attack button in an action game sometimes you just mash it a couple of times and when I do that, like I'll, I'll throw the yo-yo out as an attack and then I'll throw it out again. And instead of doing a second attack, that'll just send me flying off a cliff. And that has been a problem. Not as bad as some of these other problems, but that is something that I'm just like, wow, that I wish I could remap one of these moves to like a different button. Right. Okay. And then the other things, uh, some of the boss fights, they are uneven. Like they're, the first two boss battles that I had it took me like the first one maybe took me like five or six tries and but i understood what i needed to do right yeah the second one it took me like maybe 10 tries and then i got to the third one i'm like oh what's this gonna be how's this gonna work and am i gonna get screwed over on this one and i beat it on the first try and i was like oh that was it okay so it just <laughs> okay. It, it's not like a major complaint but it's like a, maybe they could have rearranged those bosses a little bit because i don't know it just didn't feel like a, an escalation like you typically want with like a game and moving forward in like progress. And then my last thing is maybe this is specific to the switch version. Maybe it's pervasive in the other versions as well, but I've experienced quite a few bugs. Oh, really? So, okay. Falling through right. walls. Um, there's been times where I've been trying to like roll around and like, I'll, I'll do like the swing and like I'll swing into a wall because I like, I miscalculate. Oh, well, I needed more space to get enough arc on this swing to get up on top of the wall and I'll fall just short. And next thing I know I'm inside the wall and I need to like hit restart from checkpoint or something, or I'll just move around until I fall through the map entirely and die. Um, also there was one that I was playing last night and I was, it's like this race level. That's like the, I think the, I think maybe it's counting as the fourth boss battle where it's like a race against another character through a level. Okay. Let me tell you when you're moving through these levels and trying to be fast about it, it, it really straddles that line of, wow, this feels really good. And wow, this is really frustrating, especially when the depth perception is so, so bad. Um, but I fell off, right? And like when you fall off the map or fall off like a, a platform, unless like you have, you, I think it's five hit points that you have. And as long as you have hit points, it'll just respawn you at like a, a recent platform. This time it respawned me directly in the middle of nowhere. So I just kept falling until I had zero hit points. Like I fell. All right. Respawn me right back at the same spot. Fall. And it's like, wow, that was definitely not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, just respawning over an endless pit. That's not, that's not great. So that was when I was just like, all right, I think I'm done playing Penny's big breakaway for the night. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, I mean, overall, like it's, I'm, I know I was very negative there, but I, I don't want to, those complaints to overshadow the fact the level design and the movement can feel super good. But unfortunately, like those things like the depth perception and the bugs and the crowded screens do sometimes overshadow those very, very positive parts of this. So I'm kind of at odds with my overall thoughts on Penny's Big Breakaway. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I hope to have a review up in the next several days. Um, but for now, I mean, I just wanted to deliver my thoughts. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play Bellatro. I, uh, Alex Van Aken gave it as his eShop Gem of the Week and immediately sold me on it. So that is on my list. I also played a little bit of Comp 2, which is the Atari published. What they're kind of promoting it as a uh, successor to Pong, where it's like it takes like you're, you're controlling the ball through like these almost like metroidvania style platforming areas it's like a puzzle platformer without any platforming it's very strange hmm. but basically you're, you're controlling the ball from pong as you navigate these mazes and you have to avoid obstacles and you basically you press the button and it changes the direction of the ball so you have to like avoid obstacles and like make your way through these courses that way and that's been very fun so far it's simple but very fun what's that one called again comp two it there was a game called comp it's q o m p Oh, okay. I was thinking, yeah. Maybe All it's right. Quomp. I don't know, but usually Q the QU is necessity necessitated for the uh, the the qua sound. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that one. Yeah, um, cool. but I had fun with it. But what I've played so far, I do want to finish that one as well. But I, I I'm sad that I haven't checked out Splatoon Three Side Order because I'm I'm wanting more Splatoon Three single player content. 
I've just been so I've been traveling this week and I've also been immersed in Penny's big breakaway. So haven't had a chance to check that out yet. If I do, I will talk about it in the coming weeks. But Kyle, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of All Things Nintendo. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com or hit me up on social media at Brian P. Shea. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel, even just for one month. Kyle, talk about your online presence. Oh, yeah. I'm all over the place. Just Google me. You'll find me. All right, that is our show for this week. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care. We will see you next time.